Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, where we walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Our host is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, licensed clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder therapist. Join her and her host, Carlos Houston, as they discuss the relationship between your food, your faith, and your feelings. Okay, welcome back to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, Walking on Your Journey to Wholeness. And once again, I'm so excited to have my friend Allie English in the in the house. Uh, we are talking about teen suicide today, which is, again, another heavy issue. Um, hey, Allie. Hey, Jeannie. And Allie is actually the reason why we're doing this show. Yeah. Yes, I am. I admit it. And why is that? Tell tell everyone why that is. Well, because I um I have kids and they're watching 13 Reasons Why. Their friends are. I've watched it and was rightfully horrified, right, by the content out of it and scared and just really even though I'm a proactive parent, I'm involved with my kids realizing, you know, at what level and what speed these kids are processing things. Right, right. It's and it's so scary and so um Allie is the reason why I spent all day Saturday last week, literally from 10 a.m. until 1 a.m. watching the show. <laughs> I was exhausted. I've never in my life spent that much time in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the same experience. I accidentally turned it on and went, oh, my gosh, and kids are watching this. Right. And I, I even mentioned in last show that um, when I talked about it with when I've talked about it, like in my office, like with therapists and with kids, um, kids are all like, oh, my gosh, yeah, it's like all the rage. And, oh, my God, have you seen this? And so we've even talked about the book and how the show and the book are different. But what I think one of the values of this show is that it is opening eyes and it is opening conversational doors. That's right. Conversations that need to happen. Right. Proactive co- conversations. And tell us again, like, how you are working this out with your, you have a, a High schooler and a middle schooler. Right. And I will say that the middle schooler, shockingly enough, knew more about the show than the high schooler. Really? Yes. He hadn't seen it, right? No. No, he had not. But his friends had. Some of them had. And he knew about it. He also knew about it from ads. Not sure where. You know, he's on Netflix. Okay. But he hadn't watched the show. So I decided with him, and he, you know, some of it's too graphic for him. But I would rather proactively bring him into it, shield him from the scenes he can't see, but talk to him not just about the contents of the show and all the different levels of things you need to go cyberbullying, things that they could be experiencing and not talking about or witnessing. Right. And um, But also, like, what are triggering elements of social media like this for somebody who is suffering? So it's even a bigger conversation than that, like triggers. Right. And so today on today's show, we are actually going to talk about those two elements that can be hurtful or helpful with someone that has mental health issues that could lead to suicide. We talked last last week about depression and some personality issues. And so today we're going to talk about two influences, peers and parents. And so let's talk a little bit about, like you just said, so your younger child has heard more about this from his peers. And what grade is he in? He's in sixth grade. Sixth grade. He's 12 years old. Yes. Uh, That blows me away. And so 
these 12-year-olds are watching these graphic sexual assault scenes and how to kill yourself. Yes. In two easy steps. Potentially without adult intervention or... And that was what's concerning, and that is why I'm watching it with him and controlling the dialogue and controlling these scenes because I want to control it. I want to turn it off. That was my first reaction. But then I thought, he's not always with me. Right. I can't. And in a year or two, when we're not talking about the show anymore, he watches it. Right. Or he watches it in a week if he's somewhere else, and I don't know. Right. You know. Well, and I think, I mean, this is jumping into the parental influence, but I think that I encourage parents and sometimes I have to even quote, give permission to parents to parent, (laughs) like watch it with your kids. Do not, if you are uncomfortable with it, then guess what? Being a parent is about you getting comfortable with uncomfortable things because what your job is, is to teach your child how to cope with life. I teach more people how to have coping skills, not to use their eating disorder to cope with things, but how to speak about things and how to emote and how to cry and how to generate feeling and how to express through writing. And so it's a lot of lessons learned in psychotherapy when really they can learn all this stuff at home, but you have to do it first. You have to be the role model. Yeah, you have to be proactive in your approaches with your kids. I feel that very strongly because they're going to encounter situations. So um, so let's talk a little bit about the peer issues that we see in the show. Okay, well, we can start first with the very first instant that Hannah talked about, which was the picture of her sliding that got shared around. Right. So you want to share that scene? Just brief? Well, brief is that it's, you know, it's an innocent thing. And she meets a boy for her first kiss that she's excited about. She's a freshman in high school. He snaps a picture of her coming down a slide. The next day, friend grabs the phone, kind of insinuates there was something sexual that went on and shares it with the entire school. And it's a picture that could be taken the wrong way. Right. And it was. Because it shows her underwear. Yeah. Because she was wearing a skirt. Yes. Sliding down a slide. Sliding down a slide. So, see, you know, There went her reputation. Right. And so one of the major issues that's going on with kids is they don't, uh, they don't, they're trying to figure out like who they are. They're trying to become accepted in their peer group and they are uh, working towards that acceptance. And this is a, this is a normative transition period. Like they move away from family to go create their own. That's that's part of the whole normative transition. Right. And the other thing that that whole that episode touches on is the impact that other people can have by sharing that picture. They don't think they think it's a silly thing. They don't realize the significant impact that that can have on another person. Right. I'm just going to say it's boys. Boys are stupid. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm just joking. But a lot of times um, like I was saying earlier, there's such a sexual influence in our in our in our world these days, and there's so many sexualized messages that kids think that they're automatically supposed to be sexual beings, and their brain is so far from even understanding anything that has to do with sex. Right? No, they can't process it. They can't on any on any level. Really, it's right. just. Information. I mean, how fun is it for you for to have to deal with boys? 
<laughs> uh, well, yeah. All you right, know. we're not going to go yeah, there. Thank you. <laughs> we don't want to embarrass them. They'll be mad at me. <laughs> yeah, they will be. <laughs> anyway, so parents of, well, mothers of boys, I have a lot of compassion for you for all of the things that you have to go through in explaining with them. Um, so let's talk about some of the other issues that uh, in terms of because there, most of the show is around how she felt bullied and teased and rejected by her friends. Correct. Correct. And then there was also like a component of somebody who was important, but maybe didn't do something when they saw what was going on as well, like witnessing bullying. Right. Yeah. Watching yeah. like even Clay saw her being chased down the hall with the boys acting like they're touching her butt oh. and he stands by. Yeah. Because a lot of times kids don't know right. what to do. How do you handle that? Right. Yeah, there's so many different things. Um, and like I watched, like I said, I watched it in one big fell swoop. And yet you've seen it three times and or you're seeing it three times. And so Allie has a much better memory of it than I do. Um, one of the things that I think is really important is uh, Hannah, I think because of all of her um, personality and emotional issues, was really struggling with friendships and creating and maintaining friendships. And yes, she was. And so one of the things that one of the school counselors did was she initially introduces her because she's new to the school with another girl that was new to the school. Well, and then they became BFF and they hung out every day. And then there was another new kid, another boy that came into the picture. And so the three of them hung out all the time until... Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Then um, Alex and Jessica start dating. They didn't communicate that with Hannah, right? So Hannah feels betrayed. Ousted. Yep. Rejected. And that's a horrible feeling for anybody to feel. Um, and being invalidated and rejected in that way is so so dangerous and so scary and so damaging for kids. Right. And I think as parents, we have to remember, I think if you talk to anybody, it's like, oh, yeah, middle, middle school and high school, eh, it, it was tough. But I got through it. And we forget the pain of processing because we have been through it and survived it. So when you hear a story from your kid or from a friend of a friend and their kid's going through something, you're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, that sucks. They're going to get over it. But you need to remember that it is permanent in their in their mind how hurtful and how damaging just little things can be because they mentally can't process it. The kids are dealing with content that their brain is not able to fully process. Right. Well, and, and you know, it's it's interesting. Like the whole advent of Facebook in the last, what, five to ten years. Um, I remember. So that I was, there were, because I went through my eating disorder phase in high school and my body did a lot of changes and I um, developed uh, Graves' disease. And so my eyes would bug out. Um, there was a, there were a couple of people that I went to high school with one guy and one girl and the girl, I remember when I saw her on Facebook, you know, just several years ago, she, I remembered her bullying me in high school. She wanted to fight me. And I'm like, well, I was like, number one, you're going to win. I can't fight. And number two, why? Why do you like? I remember, I I think I had been drinking one night and I saw, I ran into her um, and I said, Why do you want to fight me? Like, I just had this courage. It was, you know, liquid courage when I was a high schooler. And she's like, Well, you like 
looked at me funny. Or I was like, I, yeah, I, I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> Please back up. And and at that point, it shifted things. But I was able to find my voice. Um, okay, we're going to have to take a commercial break. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, please contact me if you want to um, be a sponsor. Uh, we'll be right back. NISA is a capital company that helps connect those who are from countries outside of the United States to access funding and legal assistance using specific programs that are flexible in order to enhance a project's success. NISA Capital is a global professional services firm that's headquartered in Atlanta and has locations in Miami, India, China, Korea, Vietnam, and Latin America. So, could your nonprofit use $10,000 per month in free Google advertising? Since 2003, Google has donated free advertising to over 20,000 nonprofits in over 50 countries throughout the world. They've helped them raise millions of dollars in cash donations, recruiting and volunteer work, and in raising awareness for their causes. Visit epicgrowth.com, that's E-P-I-C-growth.com, to see if your nonprofit organization is eligible for this $10,000 in free advertising today. Hello, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, the founder and executive director of the MANA Scholarship Fund. MANA Fund was created in 2006 to help those with eating disorders get access to treatment. Our mission statement is to practically address the epidemic of eating disorders by providing prevention, education, research, and financial assistance for treatment to all qualified individuals through well-administered programs. People out there have difficulty with their eating and develop eating disorders, and we are designed to help people who cannot get that treatment otherwise. So if you would like to sponsor this show or give a donation to the MANA Fund, please contact us through manafund.org. That is M-A-N-N-A fund.org or 770-495-9775. Thank you. Welcome back. We are again with uh, Allie English, and we are now uh, wanting to just talk about how parents can be aware and supportive and really um, a positive influence. Sometimes parents are clueless. Oh, I agree with that. I do think (laughs) that we are. And I'm no exception. Like I try to stay involved, but I realize that social media is moving fast and I do my best to stay ahead of everything. But it's kind of like when we got the microwave, it's like, really? It usually takes two hours and now it takes six minutes. Right. Yeah. And I think that parents struggle with, you know, privacy, like keeping your teens privacy or not overstepping boundaries. And I am not in much of a favor of that like well and i know that i'm not a parent i i i give you that however i if i were a parent (laughs) i would be probably called a helicopter mom because i think it's really really important like your kids don't have adult brains our brain is not fully developed until we're like 25 and so they are seeing this stuff and they're like they're like sponges and they don't honestly know what to do with it correct and to the and to the point that they may not even know that bullying is occurring it could be an isolation of oh this person don't talk to her next week or whatnot they don't know that they're involved in the wrong kind of thing so really i mean what you're doing is you're bringing up a good point there is passive and there is active bullying right and because you know a girl and i know this happens a lot with girl friendships and 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 
and like at school, you know, like if one girl just decides one day that she doesn't like Susie, then she may tell the rest of their five friends, hey, Susie did this, which may or may not be true. Let's not talk to her anymore. And so Susie goes to school and all of her best friends are ignoring her. Right. And that's like, that's a passive kind of a bullying. Right. Because they're, but they don't know how unless they're taught. Right. And unless somebody is proactively watching to see that it's happening. Right. Because they may not say, hey, on this string of texts, this look a little strange to me, mom. What do you think? Right. No. So I say that a parent's job is to be up their butt. <laughs> not literally. There, That's another problem. And we're not going to discuss that right now. But to you have permission. You own that cell phone. You own the internet. You pay for it. Even if they paid for it, it doesn't matter. Right. I don't care. You are still responsible for teaching and correcting that child. Right. I That is a primary responsibility of a parent. And so if you don't understand Snapchat, now I personally love Snapchat. It's funny. I only Snapchat with Jeannie. <laughs> That's it. Or I annoy my kids. Well, but primarily I Snapchat with Jeannie. <laughs> it's fun. It, it makes me laugh every day. Like I love to do it because it's it just, the filters. It's the filters. They're funny. <laughs> but the problem with Snapchat is that once you put it out there for 10 seconds, it disappears. It's, it's gone forever. Yes. That and is the right. same thing for, well, no, not the same thing for WhatsApp. But so there are other things like kick and I mean, there's other yes. things that are going on. So if you are the parent of like a fifth grader through 20 year old or 18 year old, I would suggest that if that you, you get on and you start, you just Google, you know, like top apps for teenagers. Right. Find out what they are. There are some crazy apps out there that are, you know, I, I've heard of one that was, you can join it. It looks like a math calculator. It looks like a calculator, but you can get in it and it's a group of people and they chat. Oh, it's a group chat. It's like a group chat, but it's some kind of calculator. And it is. So I press the calculator on. And not that my kids, it's just you want to stay involved. Like somebody puts it on their phone. Well, they're out there in the world. You want to stay involved. Yes. And there are some parents out there that are exhausted. Like I have a parent and I feel so I have so much compassion for her. She's got three children, Mm -hmm. a 10 year old and like three and five or really younger children. And her daughter's going through an eating disorder. She's exhausted. Oh, and yeah. to say, hey, look, you now got to be responsible for figuring out all this, all the, the social media that she's on. I mean, that's... that's it's a so, lot. So I have a lot of compassion for oh, parents. I do too. It's, it's a lot. But I think that the most... So I, I'm just going to say the most important feature for any parent is to be able to learn to ask questions. And I don't care if they're like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Mom... I mean, I did the same thing. And me too. And the worst thing for you to do is to believe them that they don't want to talk. That's true. Yeah. Because any time a child has more power than you do, it's a dangerous place for you and that child. And that was highlighted if you look at the relationship between Clay and his parents, where they're like, something's wrong. Clay, something's wrong. What's going on? Here, we called the therapist. Here's some anxiety pills. You seem like you're going through something. I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got a study project. I've got a study project. No, he's listening to his friend go through a horrible, horrible life story that led to her death. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're picking up on strange behavior from your child, 
then and and they continue to push you off and avoid and evade and stay locked up in their room and are always out. Like one of the things that I have a problem with in this show is that all of these kids, like parents were sort of peppered in there. Yeah. But that I think is a huge problem that is illustrated in this show is that when parents aren't involved, really bad stuff happens. Right. And just because they have good grades and are getting awards doesn't mean they're not struggling with something. Right. Right. Exactly. In fact, those are the kids actually that I see. Right. The captain of the football yep. team, the, the cheerleader perfect. and perfect grades. And, you know, I'm, I'm depressed if I have not 100, but 105. Like, you know, if I have 100 instead of 105, then I'm mad. Right. And so kids are struggling, I think. I mean, you and I grew up in the 80s, even though I'm yeah. older than you. Um, but you're still the boss of me. That doesn't make sense. I'm your president. Um, <laughs> that... Um, they have so much more pressure today. And like oh, yeah. we're saying, like you, you made a, an excellent point that when they go home, they don't get to rest and take a break. No, nope. it is there in front of them all of the time. Well, there is. I know when you were talking about we were going to be doing this show, you connected to the Facebook 13 Reasons Why and the link. And if you press that link and you look at what 13 Reasons Why is putting up there, there is a section that is a video. And it's sort of like what Hannah would see from her phone. And it was, yeah, I saw it that. Was, it was very impactful to see how fast, you know, as soon as she's trying to read a text from Jessica, people are Snapchatting her, hitting her with all of this information. And it's just, it's all, it's everywhere. It's all over her. And these kids can type so fast. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And so, you know, you have my permission as a therapist to take that phone, to cut off your internet, to go through anything that they have, but... Here's the thing. Don't keep it private. Don't keep it a secret. I tell parents, like, if they come in and they're like, oh, we read her journal, but we don't want her to know that we read. Why not? Right. No, you need to have. And that was reflected. You know, we took comments. And I I do think, like, one of the comments I got was very interesting because it was like, I wish my mom had read my journal when I was a kid. Yeah. I wish they had. I wrote some of my deepest, darkest, most painful things on pieces of paper And even if I didn't, and this is when I was going through my eating disorder, I would write down things, but I would also draw. And so I was very creative as a kid trying to just get it out. Right. And so if you see that, like, please, please be involved in your kids' lives. You may save it. Right. Have a conversation. Get help. Right. And I mean, again, you have all of my compassion in terms of being a parent. I think being a parent is the hardest job that ever existed. It is, and it's really hard. Again, and to, it's it's almost impossible for us to keep up with everything, but right. we have to do our best and try. Well, yeah, and if you're and and the thing is, is that where my attention goes, like that energy goes that way, and so if I'm giving my child attention then they know that they matter to me, even if they're acting out. And you're like, oh, I'm going to ignore that. But it, it really, the, the whole thing is like, use whatever they're doing as a learning experience. If you feel disconnected from them, then put your phone down, put, right. your, put your computer away, stop working, have an hour every night that you can like, you know, put an energy into that child or all of your children. If you have a lot of children and connecting on what they're interested in, even if it's not interesting to you. And lots of times, this is another thing that I tell parents. 
ask questions and shut up. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Ask questions and just listen. Listening is huge. Right. Because a lot of the times parents will say, well, why did you do that at school? Don't you know? Blah. Well, okay, you, you just asked a question and then you went into a lecture. And right. I always tell parents, too, you have three sentences for your lecture. Make sure you use them effectively because they're going to stop listening after that. Right. And an important thing to convey to your kids is this is not permanent. You are going to get through this. I will help you if they are opening up to you. I will help you. Yeah, that's and that's great. And the other I think another just a, a, a point is that parents, when you're asking questions, do not be judgmental. Right. Uh, unfortunately, we got to stop. I'm going to do the um, verse of the day. It's from Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Have a great week.